I'm Dave, one of the pastors here. Josh will be back with us next Sunday morning. School is kicking off. It's a great Sunday. Hopefully this heat will break, except for those who love the heat. Sorry about that. But I'm excited about this morning. We're continuing our uh, sermon series on parables. And I wasn't quite sure about this one when I selected it, but I've really enjoyed it. It's pretty simple. It has to do with the words, I will. I will. I will not. I will. And I've thought about just how many times we say those words in so many different situations. So family feud style, you know, family feud, when they, they go, survey says, I will. So fill in the blank in your mind. You can even kind of whisper to the people next to you, see if you can guess some of the top expressions of I will fill in the blank. I will be there. I will be there. I will be there at your wedding. I will be there at your funeral. I will be there at your game. I will be there to pick you up. I will be there at your concert. I will be there. Um, Survey says, let me look at my notes. Of course, I know these. I will not forget. Survey says, I will not forget. I will not be late. I swear, Dad. I swear, I promise. Whenever one of my kids says, they, they cap it off with, I swear, I promise. I really mean it this time. Like, yeah. I knew you didn't mean it that last time before. You know, when you failed in the past so many times, you gotta cap it off with, I swear, I promise. Um, I will, survey says, pay you back. I will pay you back this time. Survey says, um, I will fix that. I will fix that. I will fix that squeaky door. I will fix that towel rack. I will fix the clogged toilet. I will fix that. Survey says, I will call you back, I'll get back to you. I will, I will call you back. Yes, I will bring it back. I'll bring it back. I remember famously, this uh, woman in my office, I showed her book that I thought would be good for her. She says, can I borrow that? Before, she was already at the door and her last words to me were, hey, I'm a librarian. I know about this. I will bring back your book. I never saw that book again. I will bring it back. I will bring it back. Then there's the defensive. You know, when you have to repeat it, you have to ask it two or three times where I will. I will. I will. Just like, you know, you raise the volume because you're angry with the person for asking you for the third or fourth time. The spiritual one You know, the spiritual one, we say, um, survey says, I will, I will pray for you. You know, I will pray for you. I'm not gonna say how or when exactly I'm gonna pray for you, just I will pray for you. All right, I, I, I thought that one was funny. I will not do that again. I will not do that again to the cat. I will not do that again to the dog. I will not do that again to the car. I will not... Do that again to that tool you love. I will not do that again to the truck. I will not do that again to my sister. I will not do that again to my brother. I will seems to magically make everything disappear. Hey, just relax. I will. Don't worry about it. I will. Just forget about being worried about me because I will. So this morning, we're talking about I will. Think about those four letters, W-I-L-L, more as a a noun instead of a verb and just that it represents our wish, our desire, our hope, um, what's in our heart, 
our strength, what we want to accomplish. This morning, I want to talk about those words, I will and I will not, in our parable, and about how, if you think about it, kind of like, I will not to, I will, and in our relationship with God, how we move from, how do we move from, I will not God, to, I will not, I will, I will, I will, till I will God. What does God do in our hearts to move us from I will not to I will? So this morning, if you got your Bible out, you can open up to Matthew chapter 21 and verse 28. But before I get started, uh, put up that screen on the, the picture of Jesus entering. So a little context a lot of these parables that we've been talking about, and a parable meaning like a teaching that has a, it's a story with a deep meaning. Most of them have been like Jesus at a rock concert or Jesus at a special seminar. Lots of crowd coming up just like checking out who is this hot, popular speaker. It's been somewhat of a carnival atmosphere, a popular like, let's just come and check him out. This is different because Jesus is about to die. This is what we call the Passion Week, Jesus entering the city of Jerusalem. So Jesus knows he's about to die. So secondly, he's talking to a group called the Pharisees. If you've come to church a lot, you know you recognize that name. If you're new to the church, Pharisees would be a little bit hard to describe. They would be like political party, Republican or Democrat, uh, Kosciuszko County Commissioner, mayor of Leesburg, if there is a mayor of Leesburg, a part-time professor at Grace College, um, you have a law degree. If you could run, bundle all those things together, that's a, a Pharisee. They're one to 3% of the population. They are like an all-in-one powerful figure in society. They're not all villains. Sometime later, many of them put their faith in Christ but they feel challenged by this uneducated, like where did you get your law degree? Where did you get your seminary degree? Who gave you any right to, to speak these parables? And so today's parable is directed to the Pharisees. Yeah, everyone else is listening in, but this is like a tight, tense conversation. If you read ahead in the context that just happened in front of this, the Pharisees are challenging, basically saying, who do you think you are? You blue collar, ignorant, uneducated, unauthorized teacher. And so he's responding to them that, well, who do you think you are? And let me tell you who you are with this little story. So keep those two things in mind as we begin this morning. And with that, let me pray. Lord, I pray work in each one of our hearts uh, this morning. I thank you that you love us exactly where we are at. Uh, Lord, just help us, move us towards you. In the, in the circumstances in each one of our lives this morning, help us to recognize where you've got our finger in each of our lives. And Lord, in your love and in your grace, move us from I will not to I will out of love for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. So let's begin with the beginning and verse 28 of our short story here, Matthew 21. You follow along on the screen. 
There's a Bible in your pew, or if you've got your Bible, here we go. So Jesus says, what do you think? A man had two sons, and he went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. So there's a father, two sons. The father represents God the father. The two sons represent you and I. Verse 29, and the first son answered, I will not. Now this is really bad in particular in two different ways. First of all, in that culture um, especially, there is extreme deep respect for dad, for father. He is like the little king in, in the household. And for him to say, I will not, he's breaking one of the 10 commandments. And even in the Old Testament, it talked about, you know, your kid could get stoned for disrespecting your father. And so he says, I will not, dad. Secondly, dad is the owner of the business. And so he's basically saying, I don't wanna work. I don't care what you pay me, I will not. So he's rejecting not only his dad, but he's his dad boss. He's saying, I will not to. But afterward, he changed his mind and went. And he, the dad, went to the other son and said the same thing. Son, go to work in the vineyard today. And the second son answered, I go, usually it's translated, I will, sir. Um, used kind of a formal word there, even though he's talking to his dad, just like, I will, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? Now the second son gets points for you know, showing respect and courtesy, but it was just that kind of bland, I will, with no intention of going. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, they, is the Pharisees, said the first son. But Jesus said to them, the Pharisees, truly I say to you, Pharisees, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. Tax collectors being those who worked for the Roman Empire and collecting money, and they had a certain cut that they got. They could gouge the people and make a lot of money by joining uh, the, the enemy Roman Empire. So they're the worst of the worst. Prostitutes, you all probably know what that means, the woman who sells her body for money and material gain. For John, verse 32, John the Baptist who was a relative of Christ, who came before him and said, repent of your sins, turn from your sin, your wicked way, get ready for the coming of Christ. For John came to you in the way of righteousness and you, Pharisees, did not believe John, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes, when they heard the message of John, they were like, hey, forgiveness, give me some of that. I Forgive me, God, wash me. The prostitute said, I, change me, forgive me my sins. The tax collectors said, God, I need you, please forgive me. And they believed, John. But even when you, the Pharisees, saw God doing, even when you, the Pharisees, saw God doing amazing things, saw it, meaning like God changing the lives of these prostitutes, changing the lives of these, these tax collectors. You, the Pharisees, you didn't afterwards change your minds and believe him. You basically said, ah, well, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, yeah, they really need God, but we're already okay. So that's uh, the story. Now we're gonna go back and take a look at it a little closer detail. 
Three things about following Jesus this morning. If you're following along in your outline, three things moving from I will not to I will, God, because I love you. First thing is honesty. Come back again. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I will go, sir, but did not go. Both sons said no. Only one said with his mouth. Both of them in their hearts said, no, forget you, I will not. But one was honest, the other one was dishonest. God loves honesty. Honesty is the first step. Honestly acknowledging, I will not, God. I'd rather not have anyone tell me what to do. All of us have a sinful nature, and the sinful nature within us could be summed up meaning, I will not. I don't want anyone to tell me what to do. We all, right? We all have some of that, I will not. I don't want my boss to tell me what to do. Certainly not my coworker. Certainly not the man or woman who just showed up at work yesterday. I don't want them telling me what to do. I don't want my dad telling me what to do. I don't want my mom telling me what to do. I definitely don't want my big or little sister telling me what to do. I don't want my big brother telling me what to do. I don't want God telling me what to do. I don't want a pastor telling me what to do. I don't want a sibling telling me what to do. I don't want my teacher, my coach, the babysitter telling me what to do. From infancy to adult, we have sinful nature that does not like being told what to do. Everyone would like to be in a, almost everyone would like to be in that place where no one's telling me what to do, where I'm calling all the shots. That is the sinful nature to a T. And part of that, of walking with God, of moving from the I will not God to I will, is honestly confessing, Lord, Lord, I got this problem. I will not. I don't want to. I don't want to follow you. I will not. Matthew 15, 18, Jesus says it pretty well. He says, quoting uh, an Old Testament scripture, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. This is just a truth we all know, and that our mouths, our words don't always line up with what's in our heart. When we say, uh, how are you doing? I'm doing fine when we can be a train wreck on the inside. And it's the same principle in a relationship with God. A lot of times we could say, I'm good, I'm fine, when we're not. And God loves us so much, the first step is honesty. God loves honesty. And for us to move toward God, it's about honesty. Being honest, I will not, is moving toward God. Being dishonest, like, sure, I will, God, is moving away from him. Being honest and saying, I don't want to, I can't, I'm really struggling, is moving toward God. I'm fine, I'm good, yeah, I know I'm not perfect, but I'm fine, is moving away from God. Just saying, sure, God, is moving away. Saying, Lord, I really don't want to, I'm struggling, is moving toward God. God loves honesty. 
It's part of the process. Would you want to go to Joe's ice cream? I will. Would you like steak tonight? I will. Students, would you like to have no homework? I will. Um, will you exercise 30 minutes every day for the rest of your life? I will. Will you floss your teeth every night? I will. Will you abstain from ice cream for the next 50 days? I will. Now, some of those were enjoyable, easy I wills, and some of them, if you thought about it, are pretty difficult I wills. Like a dentist illustration, when the dental hygienist, when we were done, she said, you should floss your teeth every night. And me, I had to be honest that I couldn't, can we, can we lower the bar a little bit, perhaps? She said, I did. I mean, really, you should be flossing both morning and night. I said, well, I mean, okay. When we come to the Lord, we want, he admires honesty. Honesty is moving toward him. Going along with that, I remember a woman named Sue, and I was doing a Bible study, and she had been in the church for a long time. We came to Luke 14. If you can bring up Luke 14, 33. It says, so therefore, any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. And she, she, she came up to me afterwards and said, I don't think I could be a Christian. I can't do that. If that's what it really, if, if Jesus really said that, I, I'm not sure I can actually be a Christian. I'm not sure. I like a lot of things that I have. She just was honest. I like a lot of things about my life. I don't know if I could just give it all to God. And she had been in church for a long time, but she saw this verse and was like, I, uh, this is not an easy thing. And I think a lot of times, if, especially if we've gone in the church, we, we see these verses and maybe, I know I do, say I will without really taking a closer look. There's some I will not there. That it's, I need God to work in my heart so I can move from I will never ever renounce all that I have to I need to move toward I will renounce. I will you know, surrender all to you and give you total control of my life. Take a look at Matthew 16, 24. In fact, let's say this out loud together as a congregation. Let's say this together. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Is that an easy I will? If it's an easy I will, you're not really looking at it. If we think that denying ourselves and taking up our cross and following him, it, it, it's gonna be a process. It's gonna be a lifelong process of, I really don't want to deny myself, but for the love of the Lord and what he's done for me on the cross, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hopefully move toward I will. Uh, next verse, take a look at a few different verses. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. I will, I will not. Kindness, maybe humility, uh, I will. Meekness, I will not. Patience, definitely I will not. 
bearing with one another, depends who it is, if I will or I will not. And if, if one has a complaint against another forgiving each other, well, it just depends how badly they hurt me or, what, or how long, whether I will or I will not. As the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. So there's a lot there, right? We're always in a, let's go back to the beginning, um, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness. It's gonna take me all my life could take me all my life and then some to move toward I will not to I will. Next verse, and the, the forgiveness, bearing with each other, it's God's training with us, God calling us. And it begins with honesty. God loves honesty. And too many times we want to pretend, yes, Lord, I'll go. Yes, God, I'm fine. And to our brothers and sisters in our church family, like, yes, I'm good. And yes, we're all maybe pretending a little bit that we're all, I will, Lord, when we're all struggling over here with, I will not and I don't want to. Honesty, God loves it. It is our first step in moving toward him if Christ is in us. Second, a change of mind. When was the last time you changed your mind about God? That you changed your mind about the Lord? Verse 28 again. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, look at that word, afterward, um, don't have it online right there, but so there's no time frame. Could have been an hour, could have been a minute, could have been 20 years later, but at some point, he changed his mind and went. Skip down to verse 32, and you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. So again, you got it twice in those few verses. Afterward, change your mind. This word, uh, change your mind. More frequently, it's the word repent, which means to turn, uh, to stop doing one thing, to start to do another thing, to change your life, change your mind, eventually change your words, change your actions. It's God's spirit working within us to help us change our minds. Going to verse 31, it says, truly I say to you, the tax collectors and prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. Pharisees saw themselves up here, tax collectors, prostitutes down here, and Jesus is saying, let me tell you the truth. Because you got yourself Pharisees stuck that you're like really good people and that you're this and you're that, these tax collectors, prostitutes, sinners though they are, out of the grace of God, they're ahead of you. They're above you, you're down here. Because they were honest and they changed their mind. They heard about the forgiveness of God. They heard about the grace of God. They heard about the mercy of God and they said, yes, give me all of that. Get, wash me, cleanse my heart, cleanse my mind, renew me, take away my guilt and shame. That's why they go into the kingdom of God ahead of you, you're behind them, you're lagging. Verse 32, and he says, um, 
in comparing them that even when you Pharisees, even when you saw it, you saw it. You heard them get up. You saw them dancing for joy. You, you saw them like radically become new people. You did not afterwards change your mind. So question, when you see God change someone's life, how do you respond? The Pharisees were like, well, it's about time. Good for them. They really needed God. Good, I'm glad that that's their truth. But what Jesus is saying is that you should have said, give me some of that. It's like hopefully when you go to a wedding and you're married, you're reminded of like, man, look at them making their vows. And some, some spark in your marriage is rekindled. Like, give me some of that. I want some of that. And that's what Jesus is saying. Like, you should have seen their lives and like, I want some of that with God. I want my life to change. So where are you today? When you see God change someone's life, is it simply like, that's their life and they needed that? Or are you like, I want some of that? Jesus wants us to be like, give me more. I want to work from, I want to go from the I will not to the change of mind. Give me some of that, Lord. Come back to uh, Matthew 16, 24, if you bring that back up about denying yourself. So we want like the Lord to change our minds. We want to like say, Lord, you and you alone. When I see someone else, when I see God, someone else denying themselves and take up in their cross and following Jesus, our response is, Lord, give me some of that. Change my mind. Move me from I, I will not to I will. And everything else we talked about, about compassionate hearts, humility, meekness, and kindness. So let's keep going here. I love a quote from Dane Ortland, and uh, he's, got, he's a famous Christian author these days. And he talks about the Christian life, our growth in Christ, is nothing other than the lifelong deconstruction or change of mind of what we naturally think and assume and reconstruction of truth through the Bible. So how do you change your mind? It's by knowing our playbook. So I was thinking of an illustration this week. I was hearkening back to my younger days. In high school, back when copiers were cutting edge technology. And so for the first time in my life, I felt sorry for the assistant football coach who got tasked with this uh, unenviable task. And so the season would start off a football season. So every player, some, eventually we got to binders. But I'll never forget, like, the football coach, he wrote out these, these plays on a piece of paper. And some assistant football coach went to the copier and made all these copies. And then somehow got these 20 or 25 pieces of paper and got a stapler. And I just can imagine, he must have just been trying to drive that staple through those. And of course, you know, as a player, you take it home, staple comes out, you lose a play. But the point was that as a football player, can you imagine getting in the huddle and the quarterback calls the play and you go out and 11 guys go every which way because they're not sure of what the play was. 
if you and I, as followers of Christ, if we want to know how to run the plays, we must know our playbook. We must, we must know our playbook. If we're not spending time in the Bible, we can't have our minds changed. If we're not spending time in our playbook, we can't move from I will not to I will, because this is a supernatural book. And as we read it, it it hits our spirit. It feeds our spirit. Even if you just two or three verses a day, one verse a day on the Bible app, we have to know our own playbook as followers of Christ. This is a living book. It transforms us. I even, I, I try to, at the end of my day, just get a couple verses into my mind because I found I sleep better. I have peace. There's something about it, going to bed with the Bible next to, on my nightstand, getting a couple verses. This is my playbook. It changes my mind. It changes our lives. It's our playbook. As followers of Christ, we've got to know our plays. I love um, Matthew 26, 39. If you 